I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the PAX What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by the wonderful Perry Goldstein. And today we have an exceptionally special guest. She is one of our favorite people on Twitter, favorite people in the Packers sphere, new to the Packers sphere, which is part of why we wanted to bring her on today. It's Rachel Hotmeyer. Rachel, how are you? Woo, I am <laughs> after that intro. I'm flattered to be a Twitter fiend. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you call me a cheese queen on my birthday, and that's all it takes to get into my upper echelon of <laughs> favorite people. It's true. So. That's how you in my eyes. You, <laughs> you are my cheese queen. Putting the crown on right now. But yeah, I mean, we're so excited to have you on the show. Perry and I have wanted to do this for a long time. And the fact that now things have finally kind of uh, died down in the NFL sphere, we thought it was a good time to get more guests on. And you were just the person that we wanted to talk to the most. I'm so flattered. I'm always (laughs) here to shout out my women doing anything, grinding it out. And especially if we could talk some Packers in the meantime, sports topics that mean so much to us. I am all about it. Yeah. I mean, Perry, do you want to do you want to kick things off? Well, I was just thinking there's so much I want to ask you and talk to you about, but I think, I mean, first of all, you, you just moved up to Green Bay, yep. um, covering the Packers for the first time. You started a week before quarantine started. So how is the transition, the move? How do you like Wisconsin dealing with COVID in Wisconsin? Like just what's it been like? It's definitely been crazy. I am super excited to be at this step in my life before this. Um, I was covering D.C. and Baltimore sports teams for the past few years with NBC Sports Washington and was ready for the next step and could not be more thrilled, honored, excited that it landed me in such a diehard place. I feel like I also grew up in a land of diehard sports and understanding that that religion is truly what rules the roost and what makes the clock go round. So I 
feel incredibly lucky to be covering sports where fans live and die and critique everything you do and how you cover their favorite teams. Mm -hmm. It really is a religion again. So I love that. I did move to Wisconsin. I started out here in March. And of course the world's been uh, kind of upside down since March. So it's been fun. It's definitely been a, a slow way to introduce myself, which is interesting. I am painfully extroverted. Painfully. <laughs> I thrive off people. If I could ever describe myself in two words, it's people person. So, and I, I think that's why I love being in this industry so much, but it's, it's also just who I am. So not getting to be with people all the time has been interesting, but I, I'm thankful for the opportunities I do get to be for sure. They're just a little sweeter these days. Um, and of course, trying to stay safe and isolate has given me a lot more time to actually set up my first <laughs> by myself and all that jazz, get all my stuff. Now I need some Wisconsin decorations going. Um, and just kind of figuring out, okay, like when everything is open, I've got a whole list of restaurants I want to do. <laughs> I did my first Door County excursion this weekend, all nice. types of things I still want to see. Madison, up north, you know, down to Milwaukee for so much more other than work that I'm just excited to explore such a rich land that I've never found myself in any other way. Perry has to unfortunately be a little excluded from this, but when you go to Milwaukee, you're like 40 minutes from me, so I will... I will uh, crusade north, and we will hit up some of the best spots in Milwaukee. Yes, we will. But okay, I'm going to fly I'm, in. Obviously. <laughs> absolutely. Like, this can 100% be a coordinated event. I'm here for it. I mean, you have your spotted cow. That's pretty much the only Wisconsin decoration that you really need. I do it is spotted cow. Um, yeah. When I came out, but the first thing some people said to me were like, oh, my God, enjoy the spotted cow. And I was like, all, all right, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and I mean, I'm lucky I like beer and Bloody Marys. So far, that has fared oh, yeah. me pretty well out here. Um, if that's all I could drink for the rest of forever, I'd be good. So in that sense, Wisconsin gets an A plus so far. <laughs> There's not like a heck of a lot to do here, but we for sure know our Bloody Marys. You have to get a really good old fashioned and then you've, you've tried the spotted cow. So that's really the trifecta of the yeah. Wisconsin beverages. Definitely. With, I'm leaving the old fashioned for a special occasion. Okay. That sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that I, all I hear about are these like amazing local breweries from Maggie. She gets all these like cool beers <laughs> Um, and so when things open up and you can go, there's going to be some serious beer tastings going on. But. Yeah. I'm super excited for that. I just, I think I've always liked, I've been more of a brewery pub kind of gal always instead of a nightclub person. That's just always <laughs> been my speed. So, um, I live right by title town in copper state in Green Bay. So feeling very lucky to have those within walking distance. Um, I've been to Stillmank. Really good people there. Haven't been to Badger State yet. I know that's why Lambo. A lot of people love to hype mm. them up. Um, and there's just so much more. It's not even just okay. You've got Green Bay. It's just every radius is just. <laughs> so it's super cool to me to see how much people really care. Like shop local isn't just a, a movement or a phrase around here. It's it's again the lifeblood. Um, and I see so much art about like drink Wisconsin beer. We went to Door County Brewing this weekend. Another cool place. So it's just. It's awesome that that's just part of exploring around here. Yeah. When Perry comes here, she basically needs to take like a three week vacation and then <laughs> I will take her around every corner of Wisconsin because it's going to be a journey 
but there's just so much to see, even though it doesn't, you know, Wisconsin's not on the map for much, but what we are on the map for, it's pretty important. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The things are like can't miss things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I support it. And so if I'm remembering correctly, you haven't gone to actually like go inside Lambo for any type of pressers yet. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, I've been in the atrium. I went to 1919. Okay. Cheese curds. Yes. Okay, good. Many times. Um, made sure a Terp in my life got a Darnell Savage jersey, of course. Okay. Yes. Um, So, but I have not been past the atrium yet. I'm lucky to have connected with some Packers staff, but of course I'm not trying to fudge any rules there and keep things as clean and safe as possible. So definitely looking forward to when I can finally make my way around that stadium. And I'm hoping it's before September. Yeah. Seeing the field for the first time. I know I'm really excited to see that field for the first time. I feel like it's going to be like a spiritual experience. Oh yeah. Right. I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to cry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just, Lambo is is everything. It's like the Seahawks have their twelfth man. Like the fans here are what absolutely revitalizes how beautiful of a place this already is. So I'm really excited to be at the leaps, be doing all this just beautiful, passionate, crazy fan driven experience that is watching a game, covering a game at Lambo. So you did get to interview. A Packer. And was A.J. Dillon the very first Packer that you got to talk to, you know, kind of on the beat in Green Bay? I think in person, yeah. I've connected with a couple other players in different ways, but A.J. Dillon was definitely the first and biggest, like, all right, let's let's get down to it. And I was really honored to do that for a couple reasons. One, he went to Boston College. Yeah. I grew up not far from there, so that was really cool connection. A lot of Eagle pride there, and I means a little more in my heart to help shed the light on that, but it's also... Um, I'm really passionate about my interviews in the sense that I wanted to make sure what we were doing was a kind of character exposition that like, yeah, I, we've all watched his tape and he's got some incredible tape, but I wanted to make sure Packers fans were getting an introduction to who he is. And there's a lot of passion that AJ Dillon shares off the field. He's a really special guy. So I wanted to make sure people were getting to see that, you know, yeah, we all get the first like draft night introduction and those two minute interviews, but I wanted to make sure people were getting a real look at what a passionate guy they're getting. So I found that a really special opportunity. He's just got such a kind heart and a big smile. And obviously, yeah, those quads are massive. (laughs) (laughs) I think Alan Lazard just uh, compared his legs to Saquon Barkley, which is a crazy comparison. But that's the best comp I could give you. Honest to God. I mean, they are just trunks with the brain power behind him. AJ Dillon is the very first Packer that I've ever made a list for and been like, I want this pack, this person to become a Packer. And they did. So I've decided that that means I have to get his Jersey at some point. Hopefully there will be a season and I can do that, but I support that. I do. do. Because you know what? Like, I I think, I think you're putting your money where your mouth is for one, but two, I, (laughs) I think that, He's a guy that I can see having an exciting role and flourishing, truly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, I think there's like a, a a role or a stereotype with Packers where we always talk about like drafting the stereotypical Packer where you're not just looking for a good athlete, but you're looking for a good person who will benefit the community. And Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are also those guys. So your interview specifically with AJ Dillon, when you talk about highlighting the people side 
of the NFL player, you know, those are the guys that I always want to root for. They're the guys that uh, my husband obviously is a Browns fan. We've talked about that many a time. And he used to always go to bat for Deshaun Kaiser because every week Deshaun Kaiser would go to a children's hospital. So even, I think it was Mondays even. So after Sunday games, he would be in the hospital Monday or Tuesday to visit kids. And it's, those are the people that you always want them to find success wherever they are. And AJ Dillon just seems like a very easy person to root for. Yeah, I definitely, I feel you on that. And I think it's, it is special to feel that way about, you know, your three running backs. And I think that can translate to a lot. Um, And I'm just thinking about like how hopefully they all make a good group and mesh together and find that kind of brotherhood. But I also, I can see both they're on the field talent to transitioning to a really nice rotation. And I know we haven't seen that in green Bay a lot before, but I was thinking about earlier today. If AJ Dillon carried a similar role to what Rex Burkhead had in Boston, where you're carrying a lot. And I know Dillon wants to do more than carry. And so does Burkhead, you know, he's, he had the career high in catching yards last year. And I think there is a role to be had if you make the mm. rotation, the right type of balance. Yeah. That's a very that. interesting comparison. I, I know. Super. I like <laughs> it. No, I know. I like it a lot. You know, yeah. if you've got Sony, Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead, oh. three here, I just think, you know, if Jamal Aaron and AJ can get that balance, right. And that's going to vary based on opponents, based on specific down situations. But the more and more I think about that, I think, if we're going to modernize Packer football, I think this is a great first step. Yeah. Yeah. And LaFleur seems like the kind of guy who understands that type of offense, especially coming from the Shanahan tree. If you look at the 49ers offense with, um, you know, Raheem Mostert, uh, Matt Briata, uh, Coleman. So, you know, like the, and Perry and I talk a lot about what it's going to look like next season, because obviously AJ Dillon, roster lock and then you have two question marks so everybody assumes Aaron Jones is going to be the guy that returns and Jamal Williams is going to go elsewhere so kind of figuring out what that trio will look like and maybe they all come back but then you look at Kenny Clark, Dave Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, Kevin King there's 2021 is about the biggest financial hit I can remember in recent memory as you know somebody that's covering the Packers. Absolutely this is definitely going to be a contract year of hyper analytics and saber metrics just to try and find a way. And honestly, there might not be a way to negotiate these decisions. It might just come down to what people are feeling, who wants to stay a Packer, who's ready for something new. And that's not anything against loyalty. It's just like at the end of the day, this is a business and both sides of this will make business decisions. It's unfortunately to like such a financial decision as well. Like we don't know what the cap's going to look like if we have a 2020 season, if we don't have a 2020 season, we might be making decisions based off of last season and not this upcoming. There's just a lot of like variables I think that are hundred percent hard. And I mean, Russ ball is magic. Um, (laughs) There's only so much that that man can do. And so, you know, if we have a cap hit, like there might just be some casualties of players that we, really love that are just going to have to go elsewhere. I mean, it's, I know Maggie feels passionately and strongly about her love for Jamal Williams (laughs) and, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to see anybody walk. Um, I personally feel like LaFleur is, I don't think we saw a lot enough of his like creative side last season. I think it was like a very hybrid year. We're transitioning away from McCarthy this year, I'm really excited to see, like, what are those, like, 
tricks he has up his sleeve that he didn't feel like he got to and what that's going to look like in terms of not just the running backs, but really the offense in general, because our draft surprised people. I know we've done a lot of dissecting of it and looking to see like what that's going to look like in terms of personnel groupings. And I think that if we are truly getting the Lafleur of Shanahan McVeigh, there could be some super awesome forward thinking, creative things that come out of the personnel that we drafted and have, um, they're going to surprise people, right? So like people think AJ Dillon, for example, is this just bruiser back, but I've seen footage of him and Jamal Williams too, you know, practicing routes. Yeah. And so we don't know what's going to come out of this. And I'm, I mean, I'm personally very excited to see it. Oh, I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to write if this is the first largely LaFleur implemented driven year. It, it's going to be one to shock the world. And just like in the dad's interviews, you know, we talked about how far changed so much and just that swagger, that type of characteristic too can also come from behind the scenes. It doesn't always have to be a quarterback draft. This can also just be an attitude, a momentum, a shift and not saying anything previously could have been negative, but it's just, it's a new chapter still. And last year was being written and it's going to keep being written, but I think this is a huge page turner to come in terms of how Packer football is going to be run. And I'm, I'm just excited to break it all down. Yeah. And I know that we have to get to Jordan love because we promised you that we would talk about it because you deserve bragging rights, but it does feel like, you know, we talk about the culture change and kind of what's happening in green Bay to me, the biggest signifier or the, the biggest event going in through this whole draft process was that Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have to be a superhero anymore. And I think that that's what's the most beneficial to the Packers going into his self-proclaimed back nine of his career. We know he has more years you know, behind him that he does in front of him at this point. He's always had to kind of carry the load, and there's been some seasons where he just can't do it by himself. But now, if you look at the Packers roster, you see all-pro left tackle, star running back, star wide receiver, guys like Sedarius Smith and Kenny Clark that are making a difference on defense, Jair Alexander. So there's a lot more pieces now than just Aaron Rodgers finding a telephone booth, putting on his cape, and he's like, well, I hope this is enough. So... I guess all of that was a long way of saying, it. and then the Packers drafted Jordan Love. So we have to- <laughs> it should be exciting that yes. we're looking at Rogers back nine and he's got all this support. It should be exciting. But instead there's so much fear and protection over legacy that there's fear, there's scaredness, yeah. there's yeah. self-consciousness. And I think fans love to just take a grip over whatever they're comfortable with, but guess what? Like football is a changing game. Everybody wants to say money ball is just baseball, but like the football evolution is real. And we've seen a lot go down with Ravens, 49ers, so many teams in the past few years that have just taken incredible advances and leaps forward in the dynamic parts of their game that, you know, maybe the Packers are kind of shifting that way. And it's speaking of just the Ravens, it's, it's so cool to see people like Zadarius be in a new role here because guys like him and Preston Smith, I've looked at over the past few years in Washington Mm -hmm. and Baltimore and coming here, I just get to look at them be so much more successful in totally different roles and ways that I'm just like, wow, it's just so cool when you really follow guys throughout their career. So I love getting that opportunity to rewatch tape and see them used so differently. Uh, Were you, were you surprised at all at their like kind of breakout year or were you like, I've seen them sort of ascend to this place and it's not surprising at all that they had the year that they did. I think with both of them, there were always glimpses of potential, but I think 
it's sometimes so hard to cast this massive net over just guys you see across the league that's like, yeah, I think they could do better, but where else? Like, where mm-hmm. are they going to find their fit? And you can't always direct imaginary paths and map out your own crazy ways for guys to get to their perfect 32 teams at any given year. But I think I always saw potential, especially with Preston Smith. I really liked watching him in Washington and seeing how he was used, but how his athleticism has really built since then too, um, has been really exciting. And I'm not, I'm not shocked that any of them are as comfortable and as workable as they are. And, you know, Zedarius has still got his, Baltimore roots. I saw he ordered Jimmy seafood to green Bay (laughs) the week before. So maybe there's a connection there. Um, It's super cool to just see like, all right, you guys are athletes that have turned your careers over for your own benefit. And you're just making things happen and work to your own benefit scheme success. And I think that's always what I root for is guys to find their own place in the right system. Yeah. Really, they're both killing it. Yeah. And I also think when we were talking about like Packers who are personality fits, like the, the prototypical Packer, like both of them are. Yeah, and, totally. and personally, I didn't like, I, I lived in Washington DC also. So I paid a little bit of attention to the football team there and, and, but not deep enough really to, to know about Preston. And especially, so when the two of them came, I was like, okay, these are names you know, I'm excited about, let's look at them, whatever. But I could have never imagined just like the locker room fit and also not just fit, but like they've really changed the dynamic in that locker room. They've become like, especially Zedarius, like true leaders that we were sort of missing on the defense. And, And they were given that opportunity because they're now, you know, number one guys in Green Bay versus sort of more rotational guys at the other two teams that they were on. Definitely. And that, and that just says so much about like, it, it's the right door at the right time at the right moment, you know, and every, yeah. every team's going through their own journey, of course, but seeing them bring not only that athleticism, but that leadership and that touch of swag and that touch of football grit into the locker room. It's just, it's so special when you see athletes that find it and that click, you know, because you know, that's different than any other time. So it, it's just cool to see, everybody find their own step at the right time. And hopefully that leads to contracts and whatever their personal success of the game is defined as, you know, that they're finding it. Yeah. My dad had mentioned that when we, we talk about football all the time, but specifically on the show, he had said that it's really hard now to be so invested in football players when they basically play one contract now for your favorite team. You know, you used to have guys like Brett Favre who until the very end, you expected them to be, a Packer or there were legacy guys like Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke, where you just knew that, you know, in the 60s or 70s, you pretty much finished your career with one team. Now there's all of these players where it's like, you know, are you, it feels almost like a rental. Like, are you renting Zadarius and Preston for four years and then they're going to go get another contract somewhere else? Or will they play enough to get another contract in Green Bay? So it's kind of interesting to think about, you know, Kevin King and Jair Alexander and, you know, there's some really big decisions coming up for Green Bay. The Packers have kind of homegrown Kenny Clark, and, you know, he was 20 when he was drafted. But the longer that we wait to see a contract extension come for him, you wonder, you know, is it, are they comfortable enough that they feel they have to spend the money elsewhere? And just kind of those decisions about, like, these are guys you get so attached to and you kind of borrow them for a couple of years and they go somewhere else is so different than, you know, being a football fan in the early eras of loving the sport. Definitely. And I think that also has to do with an interesting shift in power, especially financially to 
a little bit when it comes to player contracts to both the players and the owners. Whereas I think in the NBA today, like we've seen a lot of financial power come over to the players, especially how we've seen teams and superstars kind of draw up their own futures over the past few years. Whereas obviously we're seeing baseball be baseball today, but (laughs) in football, I think we're starting to see a similar shift, not quite as drastic as the NBA, but the players have a bit more bargaining power over their own life. And whether that means they're, rightfully pursuing the business deal that's the best for them or they care more about their location maybe because of family or other situations i think there's a bit more bargaining power in their hands these days than in the 60s 70s and stuff like that and i think it's it's interesting to see this business prowess on the side of the players i agree i think also like free agency has taken off a little bit more and like would we call the modern era versus like when our dads used to watch where like it wasn't common, especially in green Bay. I feel like the Packers yeah. really hopped on the free agency train, like very late. Yeah. And so we had some key ones, right? Like Reggie white, Charles Woodson, key free agents. We brought in that brought us super bowls, but we, it's interesting to see in terms of like the changing of the guard, if you will. And Gutekunst is he's like, I'm all in on this free agency thing as we saw last season. And even this season, it wasn't as drastic, but like we still brought in Christian Kirksey, who is now going to be our starting inside linebacker and hopefully a leader as well. And Rick Wagner. And it just, it changes the dynamic of like player personnel when you don't just have the draft. Definitely. Right. And again, that is more, modern for here for sure i totally agree and just looking at season by season acquisitions and just the makeup of black room totally um but again i think it's a sign that like why not utilize all the tools you have and i think especially as fans it's got to be exciting to see okay it's just another way of going about things and let's just shoot as many darts at the target as possible yeah so i you know we talk about finishing your career with a certain team and that kind of segues from brett Favre to aaron Rodgers and perry's frowning so she knows where we're going here but you know your pretty much first introduction to covering green bay sports was the trade up to draft jordan love the quarterback theoretically of the future in green bay so want to get your thoughts on that because i know that you kind of called your shot you shot your shot you called it you Kobe'd it, whatever you want to say, you did it. So I did it. I like, yeah, you know, we can go with I Kobe'd it. That's yeah. Perfect for 2020. <laughs> but um, I, I got to say, like, will this be the best prediction of my life? Who knows? But I'll just call it. Um, uh, in a couple conversations with other people in the area, I had just, after a lot of tape and analytical decision reviews, I had just decided that this year was going to be the year that the Packers were drafting a quarterback in the most logical way possible. Because if you look at it, yes, of course, Aaron Rodgers is the same age this year that Favre was when they drafted Rodgers. That coincidence is great. It's just time to prepare, you know? And I think especially after we see what have happened with other quarterbacks around the league in both free agency and just age, teams are – kind of putting on their headlights to, all right, we can't just wait until our quarterback decides he's done to prepare for what's to come after <laughs> Tom Brady. So, <laughs> so with that being said, it, it, you have to think logically and draft a quarterback. Now, do you have to go first round or can you go fourth? That's up to where you prioritize. And I certainly didn't see it coming in the first round but I saw multiple avenues for the Packers to draft Jordan Love, for sure, just based on how malleable, coachable, 
and strong-willed of a player he has seemed to be thus far. And I think he's in a perfect position to want to learn from, of course, one of the greatest right now, if not of all time, whatever way you want to frame Rodgers as Rodgers. So I saw many ways for it to happen. And I think a lot of people thought I was crazy. And sure, like think I'm crazy. I'm <laughs> Green Bay, whatever you want. But uh, I, I definitely did my research. And when it happened, I was sitting right here on this couch watching the draft with two phones and two laptops tweeting away and grabbing as much tape as I could. And I took a deep breath and just laughed at myself. <laughs> um, yeah, you called uh, it. You really did. That was just uh, a real true moment to be in quarantine alone and enjoy the, the sweetness of my labor. <laughs> but, um, it happened. And it even to make it all better, I mean, AJ Dillon says he's got a lot of chemistry with Jordan yep. Love. They really, they are two dudes, love being bros, have worked out together, are pretty friendly. Um, Dylan's excited for him to come to town. So I think that's awesome to just see, even no matter what position. I love when any rookies can come into a team together and be like, yeah, we've got a great connection and friendship because that just kind of ingenuity and charm is just so special. So when you have guys like that coming in together to be like, all right, ready to learn, ready to work, that's the kind of characters you want to be bringing in. And that still hones into the same Packers guidelines that we've known this team to live by. So I think that's cool. Um, But yeah, I'm proud of myself. Not going to lie. I was also excited slash not surprised at the Jordan Love pick. I watch his tape and he just fits us like he is just there's some moments where I'm like that looks like young Rogers it's just it's it's crazy to me and I I understand the league's apprehensions and I know that people love to insert some level of drama within our organization for whatever reason Rogers just seems to always be the center of that for whether it's real or completely made up but I think that for Jordan love to succeed He needs to be in a system where he's going to sit. He's not ready to start. He's going to have to learn. And I think he got drafted into the best possible position for his success. And if his success means the Packers success, then it's a complete win-win. It was the best, you know, situation. And, you know, something you said earlier, really like just, you know, when you look at other quarterbacks, I also look at our quarterback who is 37, who has a serious injury history and like, we watched Brett Hundley when Aaron <laughs> broke his collarbone a few seasons ago, right? So at the end of the day, if if Jordan Love, his his ceiling is 15 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, but if his, his floor is just Aaron goes down and we can win a few games and still make the playoffs, like that's awesome and like that's not, we a, haven't, bad. That's not a bad no exactly and like we miss the playoffs because when Aaron gets hurt it's it's the it's game over it's done and and so I don't know I'm very excited I love him and AJ Dillon's chemistry as well and I think especially in this offseason where it's going to be shortened if, if at all the fact that they do feel like they have a connection and can train together I think it's going to go a long way yeah I just think that I understand the the loyalty, the affliction, the, the everything that comes with protecting and preserving your team and your leader and all of that as is one bajillion percent. And and Rogers is always going to be that that guy, just as Favre is that guy for 
current, past, future Packers fans, 100%. I mean, your QB is your QB. That's under center for a reason. However, I, I understand the logistical reason to plan. And with all things taking place, you know, I think a lot of people look to draft a quarterback that can play tomorrow because maybe their franchises don't have legacy quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, but you do. And you know that his character, his grit, I'm all about football grit, um, (laughs) is what, what drives these game winning throws, these, all these things, why the Packers are who they are. So there's nothing wrong with drafting a quarterback. That's got really great ceiling. If he's going to learn behind a leader for a few years, there's nothing wrong with that. In my mind, you don't have to be drafting a quarterback. That's ready to play tomorrow just to sit because that could honestly turmoil into a shorter term attitude scenario. You know, the reason why Daniel Jones works so well in New York right now is because Eli had a much shorter timeline going than Rogers is looking at right now. Talk about back nine. I mean, that's a back three. Yeah. So you're looking at much different scenarios and adaptability, coaching, mentoring, passion for making that actual handoff. So I, I just think that, this worked and I completely understand being shocked and upset because it's not what we've been used to in green Bay for the past few years, but it is the responsible thing to do for the future. And I think it was a really educated tip. Yeah. I mean, Perry and I have talked about this before too, where it's like, you do have the scenarios like Patrick Mahomes where uh, towards the end of the season, you know, you're going to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs and you just get to throw somebody in for a couple games and see what they got. Or you have the Josh Rosen situation where he's now basically out of the league and you feel so bad for a guy, Deshaun Kaiser is another one of those scenarios where he led a winless Browns team for a season, got traded away, had to battle for a spot behind Aaron Rodgers, never could cling on to a roster. Now he's with another team where he'll never see the field. And it's like these guys' careers end before they begin. And I know that's you know, it's kind of life in the NFL. If you don't latch on, you don't latch on. But there are situations that are so impactful for players. And, we, you know, we've speculated, like, what would Aaron Rodgers have been like if he had to start right away? If he did go somewhere where he was a day one starter, would his career trajectory have been? Would he be in the conversation as a Hall of Famer, greatest of all time? Maybe not. So for Jordan Love to be kind of whether he starts in one year in five years, if they extend him without him ever seeing the field because they like what they're developing. I mean, those are all conversations for a later day, but you know what the Packers have done at very worst is wasted a first round pick. And it's not like it's the first time they've done that. <laughs> if you're a Packer fan, <laughs> you know all about it. So, and at best, like Perry said, you have 15 more years of like, imagine Green Bay having 45 years of consecutive Hall of Fame quarterback play. Yeah, you know, you guys aren't living the bad life. Right here, <laughs> tell you. Like, Jesus. But, and, and that's the thing. And I think a lot of modernized football has come to the conclusion that, okay, when you enter the draft, you're ready to start. And, like, granted, yeah, for most positions, you should be. And for more than 50% of quarterback scenarios, that's what you're looking for. But – You've got 32 teams in the NFL, and when you have a franchise quarterback, it's not a one-year kind of deal. So you're looking at these eras of under-center leadership and talent. So then you're looking at multiple drafts where you're drafting for future talent and development, and there's nothing wrong with deciding that you're ready for the draft because you're at your peak where you're developing in college so far, but you've landed yourself in a situation where you are lucky to develop 
you know, in the NFL and not just be put to the test. And like, sure, there, there are factors he'll be put to the test for, no doubt. But I think it's a really special situation just in, in looking at just the lifetimes of players that you get to start off your career in the pros learning from some of the best in order to develop you to your potential for when you're ready to start. And those things can really only happen at quarterback. That's such an interesting perspective because I feel like people latched so much onto like the holes that they wish Green Bay had filled versus actually looking at the roster like we went 13 and three and made it to the NFC championship game like it's a good team that actually had the luxury of picking a draft and develop QB you know like taking a bruiser running back and thinking about prolonging the career of our current QB under center you know taking a chess beats like Deguara, you know, like we actually had the opportunity where we didn't have, I mean, some people believe we have like glaring holes, like at wide receiver, et cetera, but we actually had the flexibility to choose versus like, we don't have a wide receiver one. Like we have to take someone in the first round. Yeah. And I, I, I do understand why people pull those comparisons and red flags because when, you know, you have a player who has been so vocal about things they want to fix and, those things haven't seemingly been answered. I understand that type of frustration. I do. Um, it just so happens that that seems to have conflicted with a year that the playing style is changing altogether. So there's just so many missing pieces that I feel like I don't even know if we'll be able to judge until week eight. Right. You know, and this, we're living in a, in a time right now with even current events that we can't judge the immediate impact of something until we've seen it play out for a while. And I think that might just be what we're, looking at in terms of Packers developing a new chapter. Yeah. And I think that there's a, you know, they always talk about drafting for want and not for need. And if you look at where the Packers were drafting, yes, they traded up a little bit to get Jordan love, but you're hoping that as long as you have Aaron Rodgers, you're not drafting in the top 10. So you theoretically are never going to be in a position to get one of the best quarterbacks of a draft. So if a quarterback starts sliding to you, and oh, in 2005, the Packers didn't have to trade up to get Aaron Rodgers. He slid all the way to them. If you can get a guy that maybe he's not the future, but if you can still develop him for a couple years and either trade him away or say, hey, we tried, it didn't work, you never want to be drafting high enough to take a franchise quarterback. And if one falls into your lap, you go with it. And whether, like, I know people wanted different types of weapons and didn't get them and feel slighted by that, but if Aaron Rodgers were to get hurt, and Jordan Love can win football games in his absence. I guarantee nobody's going to have a problem with it when it's, like you said, week eight, whatever week it is, whatever season, and he's able to sustain sustain success. Totally. Yeah, it's just it's all about looking at the jewels you've got and what price that pays out in the season. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm wondering what, like, you're most looking forward to in terms of um, maybe the job, but also just living up there in general and, like, what – if let's say perfect world COVID's gone, we can have a season. Like what are you excited for? I am definitely of course excited to connect with Cheeseheads because that <laughs> this fan base and that that's really special to me. Um, but I take my job seriously because I pride myself as being a vehicle for other people to tell stories. And I think a lot of people have latched on to that message lately, but I, I think it's a good one. I, I want to, be someone that is trusted with telling the right post-game story or helping an athlete tell their message, stuff like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to 
the high character that we expect out of a Packers locker room. So that much excites me so much. Um, I'm just a big locker room person. I, I love catching those moments and conversations after a game because that's when emotions are high, but calculated, but still intentional and passionate. So I love that. I'm looking forward to football with fans safely <laughs> that day comes. I am really looking forward to that. It just feels like it's been eons since last season and all of this off season has been exacerbated to the fullest extent. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. I mean, like game day is the best day to me. It always mm-hmm. has been, always will be. It's the highlight of my week, my month, my life. So I'm looking forward to seeing Green Bay at its peak, you know, and I think that's, that's a special thing to have around here. Green Bay is certainly different than anywhere else I've ever been in my life. And I want to see that in all of its twinkling glory, man, <laughs> especially when we've got a back half of the season that has a lot of time at Lambeau. And a lot of snow. Yeah. I'm excited for it. <laughs> I grew up with heavy winters. Yeah. Um, this might be a little more kicked up a notch from what I'm used to, but I've got my bean boots. I'm ready. Um, there you go. I love some snow. I've got four wheel drive. I'm, I'm living. Prepared. <laughs> You're prepared. Yeah. Really prepared. You know, I can, I can make it work. I mean, snowy football is the best. I'll yes. get some cute earmuffs when needed <laughs> and just make it work. You know, but I'm really looking forward to the magic that comes back on game day. And just, you know, I, I, that responsibility of being a reporter and sharing the access I have with as many fans as possible is really important to me. And it's, it's more of a honored responsibility than a job. Yeah. Well, I'm very looking forward to all the content that you're going to put out because I just, I feel, I love the way (laughs) you like articulate the game and I'm just so excited to read it all gonna soak it all up I'm and so hopefully hopefully witness some of it yeah. in person yeah, <laughs> yeah we uh we can all hope for that glory I promise whenever I get to be on the sidelines and anybody just yells at me I'll wave I promise I, I love a little hello I'm a <laughs> big fan of that but um it, it's gonna be fun you know I mean there's nothing better than the honor of sharing sports with people who live, breathe and die by it. Truly. I just think that to be somewhere where that's so revered is something I don't, I don't think uh, I'll ever forget. And honestly, I think will change me for the better. I'm always looking to learn and grow and connect with people who also share this mutual love. So I think that's pretty freaking rad. (laughs) That feels like a really good time now to ask you then if people want to follow your work and, you know, get to know you as a, journalist as a human as somebody who's experiencing wisconsin for the first time where can they find you on social media okay that's awesome um okay my twitter and my instagram are just my full name rachel hopmeyer um yeah i mean i'm pretty i think (laughs) social media is fun as long as you make it i definitely use it as a space to connect with people again a people person to use those tools for the better and i share a lot of my work, especially on Twitter. So you'll get news, you'll get sports, you'll get whatever I'm covering day in and day out. Um, but I love using it to hear from fans. The best thing about Twitter that's different than TV is anyone can watch me on TV, but how are they going to get in touch with me? You're going to tweet me. You're going to email me. And actually someone, I think sent me a letter to the station the other day that I didn't even know people could do that. I know. I don't know. I'll see what it is. So I, you can always find me on Twitter and I admit it like I'm attached to my phone. So I'll see it. 
Um, and yeah, that's, I try and post, you know, fun pics, especially exploring Green Bay. And don't worry, my first Lambo Instagram is going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I did, of course, take like a Lambo leak pick the other day, which felt special, but I'm excited to, you know, be seeing that, of course, for real and not with just some bronze statues next to me. So, yes, at Rachel Hopmeyer is my Twitter and my Instagram. I do have a Facebook. I think it's something Rachel Hopmeyer and BC 26 because people love Facebook in the Midwest, but Twitter and Instagram <laughs> is definitely where I'm, I'm most reachable. I felt like a little bit of shame, but people on the East coast do not care about no. Facebook. The marketing dollars are not there, but on the, in the Midwest, it's been a pleasant surprise to dive into that again. I'm glad your word is pleasant because yeah. I don't know if I would have called it pleasant. It, it but gives I, you a good chuckle. <laughs> there you Every go. day I get a laugh out of Midwest Facebook. All right, Perry, if the people want to get in touch with your work, how can they do that? Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram also at Perry underscore Goldstein. Um, and I'll, as always, please follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast because you get great updates like this here episode now um, <laughs> and any other. You know, we're going to have, I think, like Maggie said, this off season as many guests and, and fun things um, to come to sort of fill the space of the void that is football news right now. <laughs> that was it? You're done? You don't want to talk about Pack-A-Day? Oh my gosh, I always forget. <laughs> I do I do podcast with Pack-A-Day. Um, you can listen to it, um, I think it's every Sunday, every like three weeks or so with uh, Mike and Tyler. All right. And you can find my work at Maggie J. Loney on Twitter. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I also podcast with the Pack-A-Day crew every Thursday. Thank you, as always, for listening. Rachel, you are the light of our lives. We love you so much. We can't wait for you to be in Green Bay forever. You basically can't leave now. Uh, you're adopted with, with cheese, curds, and beer. We're just going to take you in here. But yeah, thank I'm you. for it. Such a pleasure, Rachel. Seriously, thank That's you. You're the best. This is the first of many, I promise. All right, great. Can't well, wait. you heard it. She's now basically a third co-host. So, as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. And go!